I always feel like the world to say I want a place to stay. Get your booty on yes. the floor tonight. And I always thought it was I want the world to say smack your booty on the butt and that'll make my day. <laughs> <laughs> So I was singing it the other day. We were in a restaurant, and Lizzie's like, "What are you saying?" And I was like, "Smack your on the butt." Oh, I that's so the song funny. Was so silly as a kid. We were at lunch at Fuzzy's yesterday. So I was with Kevin and Amanda, mm-hmm. and Fuzzy's. I mean, it's not like specifically like family restaurant, but you know, there's families that go there. And over the like loudspeakers, the song "Sex and Candy" comes on. Do you know that song from the '90s? It's literally, it's about like walking in a room and someone saying like, it smells like sex and candy in here. And just like what that smells like. Looks like. So, and then a group of Mormon missionaries walked in. It's great. That was our lunch. Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. And we're happy to have you guys with us this week. Yeah. Gordon, it's raining outside. It is raining and outside. And we are literally, as we were just telling the, the patrons a few seconds ago, in the middle of a tropical storm. Technically speaking, we are. Yeah. But you were able to you able to make a confession today, so it's it's safe. Safe enough-ish. Yeah, it's not supposed to like really pick up until tonight. There's okay. More, I don't know. Yeah, everyone's panicking at the office today. They're just like, might not see you for a few days. We're probably going to have to lock down. I think everyone's still a little scarred from Harvey, if I'm well, being honest. what I was reading while I was in confession, I was like reading about it and like texting Lizzie because she was driving home from Houston and reading that it's supposed to be the most landfall that Houston's going to receive since Harvey. Oh, for no, real? Did I say landfall? I meant rainfall. Yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah. The most rainfall since Harvey. Not as much as Harvey, but... The most, the most sense. sense. Okay. So, which is a big deal considering it's two years ago. Yeah. And they have been making some like adjustments and preparations, obviously, to accommodate for that kind of stuff. Like, even just around my parish, they've been digging deeper uh, ravines. Drain, yeah. And drain, yeah, drainage stuff on the side of the road. So, and then when I was driving home today, I noticed that the ones they just dug out last week were full. Yeah. So, it's a good thing that they did that. And another positive, I think, is. It just started raining today. And so, like, mm-hmm. the the soil's, like, dry. Rather than if if we had some, like, light rainfall a day ago or two days ago, then, like, this would be pretty bad because it would just start flooding right away. Yeah, I looked it up. Apparently, most of Texas was actually in a drought until yeah. today. Yeah, which is... So, it's, like... Kind of a good thing. Yeah, it's a lose-win. You could say or that... Or win-lose. I don't know. You could say that rain... Is a good thing. Like our number yeah, yeah, one yeah, episode. Yeah. Ha, got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, go back to, uh, it was like one of our very first episodes. It's called Rain is a Good yeah. Thing. It was Steve and I's like it testimony was, uh, of, of Harvey. Uh, the Christ and Culture BG. Before Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Those were the, the early days when we had fantastic, and by fantastic, I mean awful audio quality <laughs> it's pretty rough so go go ahead and check that out if you if you dare it's a good one 
Uh, so what have you been watching? Oh, what have I been watching? Uh, I finished Mindhunter, which I've been talking to you about that. As, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. Uh, wait, did you finish the second season? Or I haven't even started it yet. Oh, wow. Okay. Just because I've been hanging out with Lizzie and we've been watching things together. Because that's have, one that we want to watch together. And yeah. So. And I have no life, so I just no. crushed it. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, I, I loved it. it. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about the first season, or you finished both? I finished both. Great. Yeah. Oh, Manson. I'm so excited. Don't tell me anything. You don't know anything about the second season? I know that it's about like race, and mm-hmm. he's saying it's not that. They're blaming the KKK, all that stuff. Do you know where it takes place? No, I don't. Don't tell me. And and come on. I'm sure it's in Hollywood, right? No. Okay, where? It's your hometown. Oh, duh, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Because they meet. Literally talks about the Gwinnett County Police. Mm-hmm. Is there Stone Mountain involved or anything? Uh, Big Rock no, Mountain? No. I'm pretty sure they mention it at some point, but it's not like a significant part. It's actually a popular meeting ground even for today. Yeah. yeah. That's probably where... It was probably in like a passing comment they were talking about it. But Houston is not as significant of a role in this season, but the the murders like the serial killer that was here like mm-hmm. here in league city mm-hmm. is referenced on there too and then yeah. the one from houston too yeah. so yep yep crazy they're following us so i finished that good show i was you know what i'll let you finish it and then we'll give better Sounds reviews good. because Sounds i don't want to spoil anything and even a podcast maybe yeah probably because it's good i've been listening to a lot of michael buble Ooh. Big fan. Me and my friends back in high school used to always joke about uh, having ourselves a nice buble bath, which is you just light some candles, get a bubble bath, and listen to some Michael Buble. I I can say I've done that. I'm not going to nice deny. Buble bath. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't man. know about the candles, but I've definitely like done the. I've done that. So since I finished Mind Hunter, I was going to take a break from Netflix for a while and try and actually be productive with life, and then. My roommate Davis got out his old Yu-Gi-Oh cards from back in the day, and we started talking about it. He told me he, he was talking about like some of the episodes, and I was like, I don't, I don't remember those episodes. And I found out that I only saw half of the episodes for Yu-Gi-Oh, and then I saw the later series, it was like Yu-Gi-Oh GX, when they were like it was like a boarding school or whatever, and they're all on Netflix. So, mm. guess what I just started? I watched Yu-Gi-Oh! from the beginning up until, I think, it was when they had the arm. I don't remember which came the first. Disc. Either the, the that or Dungeon Dice Monsters. Which one came first? Dungeon Dice Monsters was season one. The discs came in season two. Okay. Oh, well, then I watched further than that. We actually had the Dungeon Dice Monster game as, as kids, and that was really cool. Yeah, that that one, it always messed with me a little bit because it was so much different than the card game, it felt like. It was basically a board game version of Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it was it was still very strategical, mm-hmm. and you had only certain monsters, and it was fun. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. I just realized I didn't know how to spell Yu-Gi-Oh. Why so I was, like, typing it up. Y-U-G-I-O. No, yeah, it's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was a huge Yu-Gi-Oh fan. Yeah, so was I. My My friend... Shout out Ray. He actually used to compete. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I would, I don't want to say train, but I would like play with him because I always wanted to go compete too, but Mm. I wasn't allowed. I had 
Yu-Gi-Oh's deck. And my brother always had the, what's the blonde hair guy's name? With green jacket? His, like, friend. Oh, Joey. So he had Joey's with the blue eyes, white dragon. And then he also had the main villain with two Joey more. didn't have a blue eyes. Uh, he had well, red, red eyes, black dragon. Yeah, that's right. He had red eyes. And then he had the villains with blue eyes, white dragon. And he had Toon World. Oh, wow. Toon World messed you up, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you know it's still a show? Yeah. They're on, now it's like in space or something? They're on like their fifth generation or something. Like it's, it's not even... I remember one time I stuff. saw it, it was like five years ago, and they were in space. And I was like, all right, that's stupid. Yeah. That's like the, the Jason series. Yeah. It's like Jason 13, Jason in space. Well, speaking of like shows from our childhood that are still going on, did you hear that Ash Ketchum finally won the Elite Four after all these years? On, on television? Yeah, on the show. It was like 20-some years later, he finally did it. I feel like that's more accurate, though, than Endgame. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like in real life, it would take you... It should take you like 30 years. 30 years to become a professional Pokemon player. Well, he's the best now. He's, he's the champion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It shouldn't be easy. But he's still 12. <laughs> 13, it whatever It shouldn't it be a week's worth of never stop playing. Yeah. Just like 24-7 and then you beat the Elite Four. For sure. You got to build that virtue. Yeah. Yeah. And then only two more things. So I've been reading Letter to a Suffering Church by Bishop Barron. You've mentioned that in the past. And... I recently just got The Silmarillion on Audible, so that's Tolkien, and I've been listening to that on my drive to work and stuff, so that's all I got. How about you? Nice. Well, you said one of mine, Letter to a Suffering Church, just because St. Mary's handed up. No, not St. Mary's. One of the churches I went to handed them out. Oh, Mary Queen. Oh, really? Good yeah, for them. just handing them out to everybody. That's amazing. Yeah. Shout um, out to Mary Queen. I know. One that I've been meaning to say, but I haven't really been on, and I didn't want to bombard our live episode too much, because we, we went on for a while. Yeah, that was so long. But the Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yes, I mentioned to you. Nick's mentioned it now in the group. It is a great movie with Shia LaBeouf. And then, I forget his name, like some something Greta or something. He's an actor with Down Syndrome. Okay. And essentially... It's the uh, directors and the writers of the film went to this camp for kids with Down syndrome Mm -hmm. and he was telling them how he wanted to be an actor and they kind of told him like, well, you might want to like start looking to do something else because like the amount of movies that are written for roles for you are very slim to Mm -hmm. none. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at him and was like, well, why don't you guys write one for me? And so they spent like five years with him and they wrote a movie for him with like actual scenes of like things that they've seen him do or how he interacts. So it's like, it's like kind of a true story, but it's not a true story at all. It's a really good feel good movie. And it's great. Huh? Is it Zach Gatsigan? Exactly. Zach Gatsigan. And it's just good because it's kind of predictable. It's kind of silly. It's kind of cheesy, but you can tell because of who he is who Zach is, that the mm-hmm. other actors that are used to like people like improving or on script, their walls are just destroyed by him because he'll just say something that was like not really improv, but like he just says it because that's what he does. And then right. they have to like 
react and act and it's almost like they're authentically just being themselves in this movie mm. rather than acting even Shia LaBeouf said that in one of the interviews he was like you know I kind of come in and I, I'm always on this high horse where I think I'm like artsy and I do things I couldn't do that with this film and at first it was hard but by the end of it like Zach I think changed me for the better as an actor that's amazing so it's really cool I wonder if it, it's almost like bringing them back to their roots and like the the I don't know how to word it, but like just the natural aspect of, of who they are as people. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I watched another movie with Lizzie that I've been wanting to watch for a while. It's called Under the Silver Lake. It's with the guy that was the second Spider-Man. Oh, the British dude. Is he British? Sure. Andrew yeah, Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. Yeah, he's British. Yeah. It's basically like a conspiracy theorist movie. Not like a true story, but where he thinks anything that has to do with his life is... The man, like, uh, he sees his, he sees, like, Netflix goes on, like, a a loop because his internet goes out or something for, like, four seconds. And he's like, four seconds, what does that mean? And he, like, writes everything down and you think he's crazy. And Is is he, like, schizophrenic? Well, it's like, is he schizophrenic or is it true? And that's, like, the whole point. Huh. And I won't tell you. Okay. It's all true. It's pretty funny. (laughs) And then the last thing I'll mention is, uh, I got you to watch this. It is a short film called Cosmo Laundromat, The First Cycle. Yeah, that was trippy. Is it really called The First Cycle? Yeah, that's what the first one's called. That's, the First Cycle. That's clever. It's trippy. It's weird. It's good. It's basically everything that you like in things. Yeah, and I learned they're probably not going to do a second cycle. That. Yeah, because you said that one was like five years ago or something like that, or so, two, so, years ago, two years ago. Kind of like fan made type thing. And his his vision is he wants like another animation studio to pick it up mm-hmm. and do the next thing, and then that's how it works. Just different animation studios are like building uh, to this continue world the together. Story. Interesting. And so it's like I might do it again later on, but right now we have so many other projects that we're like taking seriously that like. That's just like a fun thing we yeah. do on the side. That would be cool though to see like someone completely different pick up a story that they just don't know, right? And see where they take it. If if you guys do go and look at this one, I'm it's gonna, on Netflix. I'm going to warn you though. If uh, be careful, there's some kind of emotional and darker yes. stuff in there. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, you can just read the description and you'll know. It says yeah. it straight okay. up. Yeah, so uh, just be mindful of that before you go into it. And that's it. That's where I'm at. Other than that. Me, Lizzie, and Chris last Saturday went and saw It Chapter Chapter 2, as well as Lizzie and I saw the first It like two weeks before that because It Chapter 2 was coming out. We hadn't seen the first one. And uh, yeah, those are both really good things. So I have a confession. I, when the first one was going to come out, that was like two years ago or whatever, I went and rewatched the old ones again. And I like, stayed up with one of my missionary friends shout out to Anna and we just like binged both of them she was terrified so had to watch it with someone else like the miniseries yeah okay and we were like prepping so we could watch it chapter one when it came out still have not seen either of the new ones so you've got the new ones I've got the old ones neither of us have read the book I don't think I have not I'd like to because I know the endings are different. It's like 1,300 pages, though, isn't it? It's a thousand. Like super long. Yeah. Or, yeah, over a 1,000. Which is why, like, 
he wanted to do a two-part movie series because turning it from like a mini series, which I don't know how long that that is, that was. Now it was the same as these movies, essentially about six hours. Yeah, it was something like that. Okay, maybe a little bit shorter. But I watched some of the clips because I haven't seen it in a while. And I never knew there was a chapter two, so that's my confession. Oh, for real! Whenever I watched the old one, the original, apparently I never saw the second half. Because I never knew there was this older half of this movie. So when I saw this trailer, I was like, what is this? And I talked to Chris Body. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I did not know. So That's funny. This is my first experience with the other half of that book. I mean, the whole time, like, even watching this one, I was like, this is just a good, like, this, this is full of the Christ and culture stuff. Yeah. So just to jump in, break down, let's go with characters. Because okay. there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... The town of Derry, Derry, Maine, is where this takes place. It's a very small town. Um, I think it takes place... This the, the movie takes place in 88, 89. Or 88 through 2016, technically. So the first movie is 88 and 89. The second movie is 27 years later, 2016. The really? original, I think, takes place in the 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 27 years later... Okay, yeah, I thought you were saying the old one. No, the movie, the okay. mo- this, this movie. Gotcha. The original takes place in the 60s, I believe, and then the 80s. It was released in 1990, so probably somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, I think it takes, Late like, takes place in like the seven, 60s in the first half, and then when 27 years later, it's like in the 80s. So it's kind of the same. They do it like that, that you know, flashback. And small town where like everybody knows everybody. It's, you know, one library, kind of one school, that type of thing. And you have... Billy and Georgie, who are brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Beverly, who is this redheaded girl, Beverly Marsh, Richie and Eddie. Uh, and Richie and Eddie are kind of like these are all, they're all friends together. These are all friends. But Richie and Eddie are like closer to each other. And you have Stanley, Ben, and Mike. And this is what makes up what's known in the book and the movies as the Losers Club. Mm-hmm. They call themselves losers because in school they're nerds. Uh, the bullies are the ones that make fun of them yeah they're a bunch of outcasts exactly and the first I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same in both but the scene the movie opens up where georgie who's billy's youngest brother he's like very he's like 10 maybe or nine he's playing in the rain and doing the thing where you make a boat and it mm-hmm. goes down in the rain and it falls into a sewer and then that's when you meet pennywise which is the clown it <laughs> He'll float too. Exactly. <laughs> He'll float too. And he has the boat, and he's. It's weird. Obviously, you know something's up because there's this clown in a sewer, who's like. Ah! Hi, Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back? And he's talking to him, and then eventually, like, I don't. Depending on which movie you're watching, he just eats them or he bites his arm off, and yeah. then he goes missing. And that's kind of like. First thing you see, and then you just as you meet all the characters, you you realize that people go missing in Derry all the time. Yeah, but they're always kids. Yes, there are rare cases occasions of adults, but yes, yeah. mostly they are kids that are go that go missing. Yeah, and almost to the point, and you see this in the movie where like some missing posters, like the newer ones, are taped over the older ones. Like mm-hmm. it's just they're just numb to this. Just happens. Oh well, like. I have too many missing kids files to find them all, mm-hmm. you know, type thing. Which is so weird that that doesn't draw attention, especially in a small town. 
Yeah. Like, I grew up in a small town. If people went missing, like, there was someone who went missing in my hometown uh, this summer. And literally everyone in the entire, like, several towns around were out doing search parties. Well, when you understand the history of Pennywise... You just become, like, numb to it, I guess? Yeah, so also because... It's not really a spoiler. This movie's been around. I mean, it's it's new, but this movie's been around. Pennywise is like millions of years old. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, and he's only been affecting this one area. And there's this other thing in dairy known as the dairy disease. Mm-hmm. So, like, the bullies are extra bully. Like, like they don't just bully and make fun of you, but they like take a knife to your stomach to like carve things in you, and they'll like push you over a bridge and. And, and the adults just turn a blind eye. And you're like, what is going on? And it's just that, like, there's this infection mm-hmm. in dairy. And it's not just, like, it's controlling anything. It's just it exists in this town. And so I think that's part of this numbness to it all. Which is interesting because these kids are the ones that kind of pick up on it. They don't really pick up on it right away, but they pick, they pick up when they realize that they each have their own encounter with it. Mm-hmm. And you notice that it plays in on their own fears. So it knows what they're afraid of and can just like manipulate the reality around them in order to, uh, it's not, it's not as, not as much the same in the miniseries. Miniseries is kind of like silly and it's more like joking in the movie. He's definitely a little more of a creepy character and like the things you experience in your reality is like a nightmare. Yeah. And he controls that in order to make you more scared. Kind of like Scarecrow in, in Batman. Totally. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember right, he also kind of feeds off of belief. And the more you believe in him, kind of the more he's able to like reveal himself. No. No? Mm. I thought that was part of it. Uh, maybe. In, in this not, sec- in, not in this one. Okay. Well, okay. Because I, I thought when they stopped believing, he like disappeared for a while yes and no so i could i could uh, i could say that's definitely part of it but i think that kind of goes unspoken within the movies okay um but the biggest thing is he feeds off of fear okay and you get that where this is going on in the first movie and they make it all the way down by the end to their final battle with pennywise and um, they realize if they're not afraid, he has no power. They realize when they go down, because like you just said earlier, he keeps saying, you'll float too. We all float down here. You'll float too. And it's like, okay, what is this? And when they go down there, there's this, this tower of like junk under, this, under the sewers. And there's mm-hmm. a, everyone that's missing is just floating in the, in the air. And they're not dead, but he's feeding on them kind of from the inside out. Right. And what they're seeing is their worst nightmare. And so if you're afraid, he can feed off of you. If you're not afraid, he can't even like take you to feast off of you. And so they all realize that and they say, we're not afraid of you. And then he has no power. And then they get rid of him. And that's kind of the end of the first movie. Uh, And so there's, okay, he has no power. He feeds off this fear. And the only other thing too in that part is halfway through the movie they split up because of everything that's going on and this is kind of it's doing or Pennywise's they mm-hmm. get mad at each other and the girl tells him like no like this is what he wants he wants us to split up right. and, it, and we can't do this alone yeah um, 
And so we can stop there and kind of break that open. I think that's kind of enough for an open discussion. But yeah, you know. I think that last point uh, is a pretty pretty easy one to start with. Just that. Uh, I mean, we can we can make the assumption that Pennywise uh, he's even it's said that he's a demon, right? And so we can assume that he is kind of a Satan figure or this demonic figure. And the way that Satan and and the demons work are by dividing us or making us feel alone and segregated and making us believe lies that I think we all kind of have that uh, things like, oh, you're the only one who suffers with this. You can't go to anyone for help kind of thing. And so seeing that play out in the movie where they begin to kind of separate and that's where they're the most vulnerable and they start to feel alone in that and so her recognizing no we can't do this we need to stay together that's what he wants is almost a way of like spiritual defense in a way too so that's kind of the first thing that i yeah like accountability um but also what i one of one of my biggest takeaways from both movies is awareness i think this is something you and i like work work on together a a ton Mm -hmm. just being aware of faults mistakes uh just what causes those faults uh, is is huge because what you see like we just mentioned is like dairy is numb and like just ignoring everything Mm -hmm. and then these kids kind of pick up on this and then they start to like separate from like a fight and it's this one of them realizes like no wait like I understand why we're fighting. Like I'm on one of these sides and I'm mad at the other side too, but this is what it wants Mm -hmm. and we can't let it get what it wants because then it wins. If we want to win, we have to stick together. Yeah. And I think the the whole theme of awareness comes into play in the second movie, but that as well as, as, as well as fear, like fear is the other big, big thing that we just talked about that I think is huge. I think with this movie, you can, interchange fear when it comes to what we do with lies that we say the father of lies and that Satan feeds us lies and things like that. And he feeds off of that. The more we believe those things, which I think is what you're trying to say, like having believing him, uh, the more he has power. Uh, He's not really trying to scare us per se or make us afraid, but he is trying to cause doubt and worry and shame. That's exactly, I was going to say in this context, it's like fear breaks down trust, Mm -hmm. right? And in the context of the movie and the miniseries, it's trust in each other, right? But in our spiritual life, this fear breaks down trust in in what is real, in what is true, and what is beautiful. In other words, God, right? And so when we start instilling this doubt, and even going back to like the original sin, right? The original sin wasn't necessarily that they grabbed a, a fruit off of a tree, like that's the action of what they did, but the the sin itself was that this doubt was instilled in them, and this lack of trust, uh, like kind of separated them. And because of that, what entered the world? Fear and shame, right? And so we see kind of this connection between fear and a lack of trust or or doubt in this. Yeah, and, and I think that's huge. There's a quote from the first movie that speaks into what we're talking about of like staying together in order as a spiritual defense. It says, when you're a kid, you think they'll always be protected and cared for. And then one day you realize that's not true. 
If you open your eyes, you will see what you're going through. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know that they're getting closer until it's too late. Mm. What do you think? The first thing that's coming to mind is like when I was a little kid and I was afraid what was the first thing I did. I ran to my mom, you know, and it's just this idea of like we find safety in those that love us the most. Right. And that's just kind of just the first thing that came, came to mind. Um, and I think that reveals something about who we are in that we know that love is safe. We know that uh, there's something about these people that we know, even if we have like the boogeyman or whatever, you know, which theoretically would be way more dangerous or way more powerful than my mom, you know, I know that I'm safe there, which doesn't really make sense, but it's still true. Yeah. You know? No. And I think what's huge and even hard, and we've talked about this before, I feel like in more recent episodes lately, but is in our, in our sinful brokenness, it's harder to want to run to somebody that loves us Yeah, to share that. Right. And so you know, you, it's, it's great to run to the church and run a confession, do that. But even in between those moments, like you just came out of confession, just like you said, when, when that, when the losers club came together in that moment, she said, we got to stick together. That was spiritual defense. So that was like a blockade mm. for the next time for yeah. preparation. And it, like it says here, when you're alone, so in this sinful brokenness, you choose not to, you're like, I'm just going to I just feel ashamed or I'm not going to feel ashamed, but I'm not going to go say it anything. The monsters see us as weaker mm. and you don't even know they're getting closer until it's too late. So like yeah. if you, if you don't if no, if no, if you don't tell anyone and no one even knows what's going on and you're just like, I'm fine. I know I, won't, I know it's not going to happen again. I'm going to go to confession tomorrow, but you're just still like alone in that. Yeah. You don't realize like that's an open door that you just opened and like allowed. Yeah. And I, I love that you said like run to the church, go to confession uh, and then kind of like distinguish that from like going to someone else. Yeah, it's not uh, the same. Yeah. I, it, but in a way, it, it kind of is. Right. Because, so here's my distinction. I say this all the time to my, my middle schoolers, but the church isn't just a place, it's a people, right? And so in, in this degree of we are the church, it's important to remember like, yes, there's something specific about the sacrament and the institution of the church. So in, in that state, you're absolutely correct. But there's also this other dimension to it where we are the church and we should also be running to each other for that healing. Not necessarily like as like, I'm not going to go to you if I need counseling, right? I'm going to go to a counselor for that. But there are things in my spiritual life and in my just like life in general that you as my brother in Christ can really help me with, right? And, and we do that. Um, and I think that's really, really important. I think that's kind of what you're getting at, but we need to remember that we are the church to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just realized another quote too, and this was kind of near the end when they, right before they go in where they know Pennywise is to fight him in the cave, the, uh, Billy who this whole time is only doing anything because Georgie is dead, but to him just missing. And so everyone else is doing it because they want to stop this for dairy and for each other. But he's just like doing it for this one reason. Uh, he he keeps going solo. He keeps just running off, leaving the group to, to like whenever he sees Pennywise, he's like, 
he's angry. He wants vengeance, and he goes after him. And so he runs off to the house where they know Pennywise is that leads to the cave. And oh, it's through a house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm I'm kind of being vague with what they find out, so sure. you can still watch this movie and yeah, yeah, totally new because he does take a new spin on okay. a lot of things. So they, they go there and 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 they run up and they stop and they're like, wait, you can't go in alone. And he says, look, you don't have to come with me. But what happens when another Georgie goes missing, or another Betty, or another Ed, or one of us? Are you just going to pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in the town? Because I can't. I go home and all I see is that Georgie isn't there. His clothes, his toys, his stupid stuffed animals, but he isn't. So walking into this house for me is easier than walking into my own. And there's really nothing to that, I think, yet. But one thing I haven't touched on outside of it and like this thing going on in Derry is you see, because this is kind of introduction to the characters, but with this transition in the movie too, you see that like, them as people and as people that are broken people they yeah. are also dealing with something of their own and so you see in that line which is at the very end of the movie like the guilt and the hardship that billy is holding on to because of uh, the loss of his brother mm-hmm. and so transition into chapter two and they all at the end of the movie when they defeated it uh, made a blood blood oath with each other that they figured out it responds every 27 years. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, if, if in 27 years it comes back, it, it's actually not gone. Let's promise that we'll come back, all of us, and finish this thing. So they make this promise, and uh, 27 years goes by, starts the movie, you see it's back. And one person never left. That's Mike, who... The small history of each of them, because like I said, each dealing with something. As a kids, Billy lost his brother. I love you, Billy. I love you too. Beverly, who was the only girl in the Losers Club, her mother took her own life when she mm-hmm. was young, and her father, because of that, is like. He's like abusive or something, is he? He's, yeah, creepy abusive. Tell me you're still my little girl. Yes, Daddy. Richie. Actually, I don't really know. I don't remember much about like his childhood um, stuff. Can you idiots have taken any longer? Shut up, Richie. Yeah, shut up, Richie. Oh, okay. Trash the trash mouth. I get it. Because I didn't really come into play until chapter two. Eddie, though, who's Richie's best friend, his mom is like the definition of helicopter parent. Mm. And because of that, he is afraid of any type of germs, any type of oh, risk yeah, management, that anything that's like potentially dangerous like crossing the street even right. on like a walk sign he's like I, there's a million ways we could die here aren't you guys coming in uh-uh it's gray water what's gray water i'm just telling you you guys are splashed around in millions of gallons of dairy pee <laughs> and then stanley is jewish and he's nerdy and he's just like the most afraid they all saw something different but you didn't because it isn't real none of this is not eddie's leper or, or Bill seeing Georgie, or the woman I, I keep seeing. she hot? No, Richie, she's not hot. And then Ben is the new kid. He's the new kid at school, the new kid to Derry, and as a kid, he was also kind of like the heavier he's set bigger, one. yeah. What you listening to? New kids on the block. I don't even like them. I was just- Wait, you're the new kid, right? Now I get it. There's nothing to get. 
I'm just messing with you. And then Mike, the one who never left Derry. He, his parents burned alive and he watched it happen and he couldn't save them because he was like three years old. Mm. You need to start taking more responsibility around here, Mike. There are two places you can be in this world. You can be out here like us or you can be in there like them. You waste time him and hawing and someone else is going to make that choice for you. And he always wanted out of dairy. He hated it. He hated growing up there, but he was the one that never left. And so he calls all the friends to tell them. Was he ahead. a librarian in this one too? Yeah. Okay. Well, he wasn't a librarian, but he ends up living in the library 27 years later. Okay. So he calls them all. They all are kind of like, oh yeah, hey. And then when he tells them like, you got to come home, they immediately all just like get scared and like, or, or throw up or like weird panic attacks and they don't know why. And, and then you also realize like Eddie married uh, is a risk management analysis mm -hmm. and his, his wife is like just like his mother. Um, Beverly married into a very abusive marriage and like when she's saying she's going like he's cool and then like almost like beats her up and it's like mm. all of a sudden like weird things are happening as soon as we're trying to go back to Derry um, and just stuff like that uh, Ben is an architect now that's the the new kid who is kind of heavier set and wasn't he like a model or something in this oh movie? he's super attractive yeah. yeah yeah even I think he's really attractive and so they're like kind of playing off of those identity like right. crises from from the first right. part and you don't realize until they're hanging out as losers again that they have no memory of growing up in Derry or anything that happened 27 years ago and so this was my problem going into the second movie after the first movie, I was like, well, how, this is dumb. Why do they even need to make a second movie? They already figured out the key is that just don't be afraid and you can conquer him. So yeah, going back and beating him again is going to be easy. Just don't be afraid, go down there, I'm not afraid, and punch him in the face. Right, but it's like this Santa Claus thing, right? Where you stop believing and then it's... It's not even that. It's like you become so numb to your past it's like no longer your past anymore and because of that like in this movie comes their present again so like these old issues that they like billy who lost his brother mm -hmm. forgot about that and in the movie he has like a stutter but as an adult he doesn't and it wasn't until he goes back to dairy the stutter again and he the stutter comes back it's like all these insecurities that they already overcame but because they forgot it's like it goes into what you said, what we've talked about in the last like two or three podcasts about keep moving. You have to constantly, because once you stop moving, you're no longer making progress. And it's like in their new lives, because they forgot about everything, they were just idle. And they weren't actually growing at all. They were just living mm -hmm. as adults. Um, and I think this is, it's a really interesting portrayal of just our faith life. And this is what I'm talking about when I was talking about awareness earlier. Okay. When you're not actually aware of like, your sinfulness or your growth or your fault failures like you know i can think of like the examine which will probably be the challenge of this then we everything you already overcame if you stop focusing on it for like 10 years you you're gonna have to overcome it again it's, it's uh the idea of habits mm -hmm. where you know if if you practice something over and over again for months you become really good at it but if you stop practicing and stop doing it for like a year 
then you're almost back at day one. Do you have anything on this you want to add? Or? No, I think we've, I mean, we've hit this a lot in previous episodes, so I don't want to like yeah. milk it too much. But yeah, it's, it's something about just remembering where you came from and not resting in that, but moving forward, um, but also not forgetting that. Yeah, like it's it's important, and even just going into like that's how theology of the body works too, right? We go all the way back to the beginning to understand where we're going forward, and I think that's important for who we are as people. That's why we study history. You got to look at what happened so you can know that it, it kind of gives you a projection of where you're you're going. You know, I wonder if there's something, and this is me just nerding out about twenty seven. Well, 27, that was my next question. I already looked it up. The word dairy, Maine. Like, why why dairy, Maine? Because Stephen King is intentional with a lot of stuff he does. So is there something about that town? Because we've already just said, like, there's something about the town where when you go there, your fears, your anxieties, your evils are enhanced. And it brings out, like, those insecurities. There's got to be something about it, right? Maybe. I know for 27, I don't know if this was why Stephen King picked it, but I looked up just biblically what that meant, and it's uh, three cubed. So three times three times three is 27. Okay. And so it's like the Trinity of the Trinity. Ah. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. He uses Dairy Maine in several of his books. Well, he has a universe, so his books are all the same world. It's kind of like the MCU. He has a Stephen King world. They're all like like uh, The Shining takes place in the same universe that it yeah, does, yeah. and so it is actually alluded to in other books that he writes as because it isn't really a clown. It's just a thing that takes shape of a clown, right? It's so a, it's, it's a, a demon. It's alluded to in other books sometimes as like other shapes, but only like very background like settings. Interesting. Okay. Well. Uh, I think I just derailed a little bit, but it's uh, okay. I would just wonder if there's something to that because there's got to be something about like this town that we can pull from. But maybe we can keep thinking on that as we continue. So, Mike, who's the one that called them and is trying to like give them to remember stuff, and they're all like now that they're older and having forgotten, realizing what they're about to do, are like, you know, they get to make this choice again. Even though 27 years ago they made a promise, and as kids, like a promise is a big deal. Since they forgot, they're like, okay, this is a decision, yes or no. And most of them are like, nope, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. Like, I have a life. Like, it's not my problem. It's kind of like a moral dilemma here. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, people are missing, people are dying, fine. People die every day. Why do I have to die in order to save this town? It's like, because we said we would. And because no one else, like, remembers or will do anything. Mm. And so he, he, Mike has realized that the history of it and like how old it is and that there's this ritual that will stop him. And he's like, but in order for the ritual to work, we need, there needs to be a sacrifice and they each have to sacrifice something from their past. Um, just like an item, a totem totem. But since none of them remember their past, he's like, just take a day, walk around dairy. And in order for this ritual to work, we need to remember. And so most of this movie is more character development where they walk around and they're and they're, they separate again to walk individually right to remember solely about and it's like flashbacks from the past um the one i always remember is when uh what's the girl's name when she goes to beverly beverly when she goes to her house that's the trailer for this new movie where she goes to the old old lady it's it's different than 
the old miniseries, but mm-hmm. that's the one that I always remembered. Yeah. And so I have a quote actually from that because Richie goes to Richie who's leaving, he's actually trying to leave Derry. Okay. Sees a synagogue and it's the synagogue of Stanley, which for um, some reason or another, I'll let you watch the movie, doesn't make it to Derry. And so he goes in because he's like, sees that and is like, I'm going to pay homage to Stan, Stanley. And he walks in and there's a memory flashback of Stanley's uh, bar mitzvah. Because in the first movie, he's like practicing the practice, like get ready to watch the, the Torah. And he says, look... Oh, wait, no. That's the other quote. <laughs> he says, um, everyone has some memories they're proud of more than others, right? And maybe that's why change is so scary. Because the things we wish we could leave behind, the whispers we wish we could silence, the nightmares we want to most wake up from, the memories we wish we could change, the secrets we feel like we have to keep, are the hardest to walk away from. The good stuff, the pictures in our mind that fade away the fastest, those pieces of you, it feels the easiest to lose. But maybe I don't want to forget. Maybe that's what today is all about, his bar mitzvah. Forgetting, right? Today I'm supposed to become a man, but I don't feel any different. I know I'm a loser, and no matter what, I'll always be a loser. And then, like, Mike drops and, like, walks out, and everyone in the synagogue is like, because, oh. like, that was his big speech. <laughs> um, but I think there's something to that in the beginning of this movie where they don't remember, they're adults, and, and then what they are remembering are like terrible things of dairy. Hmm. And now they're trying to go back and like recollect memory from childhood, and each one's are having kind of good memories, but there is bad, and the bad is like moments that Pennywise creeps in, yeah. like their fears. Yeah. And it's interesting with what we're talking about with like the Satan figure, where like where, where he's involved and where he wins, those are where bad memories reside but then with this statement that those are like the easier ones to like stick around yeah and the good things the moments where like god is with the christ and culture stuff those are the things that can slip away so easily the, the sand that falls through your hands yeah i think i wonder if that's just part of our fallen nature because even if um and maybe this is because i'm uh more cynical but like if someone asked me like hey how's your day like a lot of the times, what's the very first thing we talk about is like the stuff that's going wrong, right? Or those are the first things that come to our mind. Whereas we don't really think about like the good things. Yeah. And those are the things that we kind of forget first. So I think there's kind of something to that as well. I listened to a podcast called You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. Okay. He talks about this all the time where it's kind of like been been analyzed. And I don't know if it's factual, but it's kind of psychological that if someone compliments you, like, Clint, I like your hair today. Thank you. You have to sit with that for a full minute in order for that to, like, stick. Hmm. But if I said something negative or you thought something negative, two seconds. Yeah. And it's, it's stuck. That's crazy. Yeah. I would believe that. Uh, I don't know about the numbers exactly, but I would believe that. Yeah, like I know the numbers aren't right. I kind of made that. that up. It could be 30 seconds, but you yeah. still have to, like, sit with it, like almost 10 to 15 times as much as right. longer. That's crazy. Just for like you to believe it. Yeah. I think there's something else going back to kind of that talk. He, he mentioned like him being one of the losers. Right. And not necessarily the, the name itself, but this idea of like this community that he kind of identifies with, there's something to like belonging to a community. Right. 
something beautiful about the communion of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. And that we are we're kind of united with one another and uh, through the sacraments with with God as well. And there's a lot of power that comes in that, I think. And then there's kind of a smaller connection there where they call themselves the losers because they're outcasts. And typically, we, the, the losers, the outcasts, the broken ones, are the ones that are called, like, first by, by God. Um, so I, I think there's a small connection in there as well. That Well, and even with, you know, I think this is a bit of a stretch, but even in now, today's culture, like, we've talked about this kind of early on in this podcast, how faith and religion is almost becoming countercultural. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as Christians, we become, have become losers, and like we like, this could be the losers club. Yeah. But yeah, I also was thinking because I interchanged kind of like uh, fear with 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 lies. Like I almost interchanged losers with sinner, and like sin. And mm. so like, they like, they appraised that word. I'm a loser, but like not like in order to live as a loser, but in order just to live fully, where we can do the same. The saints do that. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I sin. God, I need you, right? Mm. And like, this is the sinner's club, but not in the way so we can go out and sin and live that life, but so that we can live a holy and like be more, you know. Yeah, it's, it's I'm a loser. That's why I need the loser's club. Right. Just like for us, I'm a sinner. That's why I need the church. Exactly. I got you. Okay. Yeah. And so that's kind of what, what I was thinking. And so, like I said, I'm not going to break down too much this movie, except once again, they go and they go and they fight him again. Eventually they make it and they go and they, what? Does he take spider form? They go and they fight him again. And they... I want to know. Ugh. They make it to his lair and they encounter him one final time and they do the, the ritual. And during that ritual, they all separate and they're in this, their own world that it has sent them and their face. Oh, for real? Sort of. Um... But what Mike says before that happens is, okay, the ritual started. The rest of this ritual is a test of, uh, no, a, a battle of will. Yes. A battle of will. Who has stronger mm. will? And so they separate, and then they're faced with their innermost insecurities. Yeah. And so I can kind of break those down. Like Beverly is in a, uh, a bathroom stall that you, see, you saw her in the first movie, where she's like hiding from the girls, and like certain people are pocking their heads through the door and like, like chastising her and just like, and it's her dad and the one bully um, who I never even mentioned, but Bauer, um, who's the big bully in town. He's a big, another playing part, but that's a whole other thing. Right. He's pretty much the person who picks sin and like lets Satan take over their lives. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's her. And she, and she has to choose in this moment not to believe that and not to, and like all of a sudden, like she's drowning in, in, in blood um, and just these things. And then Ben, is being buried alive and Pennywise keeps telling him like you've always going like you tried to change your looks you tried to look good you tried to but you're always that fat kid who that new kid the one that's going to die alone Mm. and so like that was him he's you know he's just choose to not believe that and like reach out and then who else Richie Eddie yeah I'm trying to think Richie and Eddie are just there's just this comical scene. They're kind of the comic relief duo that they face. That's kind of like a callback to the first movie. And it's really funny. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and mention that. It's not, it's a, yeah. it's a minor spoiler. Richie says like, cause they're like, I wonder what his true form is. And he's like, 
it's probably like a small Pomeranian or something. And there's this like scene where it's three doors. It'd actually be a really cool D&D thing. And one says very scary. One says scary. And the other one says not scary at all. And this was in the first movie too. And in the first movie they picked very scary. Um, and it was very scary. Mm-hmm. And then they, no, I think they picked not scary at all. Yeah, they picked not scary at all. And then they opened it and uh, it was very scary. And they're like, it's not real. It's not real. And then they didn't believe it was real. And they opened it. It was good. Mm-hmm. So this one they do it again. They're like, okay, this is a trap. And so I think that they pick very scary, and it's a small Pomeranian. <laughs> That's funny. And he's like, I see your tricks. No. And then, like, the Pomeranian, like, rolls over, and they're like, that's adorable. <laughs> and, like, this, that's their thing. That's um, good. So just, like, small things like that where they're just all facing. And then Billy's is he's in the basement of his own house, and mm. he's not even a part of it. He's just watching a flashback from when he walks down the steps and sees it mimicking, mimicking Georgie mm-hmm. as like a puppet. And then he's the one telling himself, like, it's not your fault. I've believed this all my life, but it's not your fault. Yeah, it's almost like going back to that scene from the Goodwill Hunting episode that we did where... It's not your fault. Yeah. Exactly. And so they realize the final way they have to conquer him is because it is huge when they're fighting him, mm-hmm. is they need to make him small. If they can make him small, they can actually kill him. And so they're going to like go into a cave where he has to shrink down so he can like chase them. But he blocks them and they're like, there's more than one way. There's more than one way to make someone small. You have to make him believe that he is. And they start like just yelling at him like, you're not a, you're not a clown or you're just a clown. You're yeah. not scary. And this is where I say what you said comes into play. Right. And that's Losing why. belief. But they never really yeah. say those words ever in the movie. But they stop I believing. I feel like it's more prevalent in the... Probably. And probably in the book too. But I stopped kind of believing in the idea that he is scary and he is who he is and he starts to shrink. Wow. <sighs> Karima. Anything on that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I kind of already mentioned the thing on, on belief. Uh, I don't want to like say that whatever we believe becomes reality because I don't think that's the point of it either. Um, but I think there is something about what we believe does have power, not necessarily over reality, but over ourselves. Yeah, and I just think that's, that's really important to keep in mind. Like, if we believe something that's going to affect us, uh, especially when it comes down to our identity, I think that's one of the most dangerous things to, to fall into. So how do you battle, for those listening, how would you answer, how would you battle trying not to believe in, into something too much, like a lie? But still remembering in order, you know, like we were talking about in the first movie and this beginning of the second movie, like we have to kind of remember and be aware of these things in order to grow and to move. Mm-hmm. But like in that moment of like being aware, you know, kind of when it happens again or you know, like that, it like repeats, it becomes easier to kind of like believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously I'm not, <clears throat> not like a counselor or anything. So, but I would say that when it comes to our identity, what we're trying to remember is our true identity and all these other things that are kind of like blocking that those aren't real. And so those we don't have to remember. Those are disposable, right? I have this, uh, this kind of like talk that I used to give a lot. It was called labels. And I would start off by like, uh, at the very beginning of the talk, I would go through kind of my, my backstory and I would put labels of all the different names that people had given me over the years some of them good, some of them bad, all over. And by the time I was done, it was completely covered. And 
it was when I started realizing, I started like looking into what labels God had for me. Like you read scripture and he calls us beloved, chosen, forgiven, uh, like all these different things. Once we start to finally believe those things, then it's easier to peel those other ones away. And that's really easy to say, but it's really hard to do sometimes mm. because it's so much easier, especially when when we don't have a, a really solid prayer life. It's so much easier to hear the voices of those false labels and those false identities. And that's what we were talking about before. It's easier to hear the bad things. Yeah. But it's really, really hard to believe the real ones. Right. And I think like you said, you need to spend more time to believe them. And so because of that, if we're not spending time with scripture and spending time in prayer and hearing what labels and identity like God has for us, we're not going to believe it. And if we don't believe it, then we can't shed those other ones. Yeah. And so we're not at the challenge part yet, but I want to lay that down as one of our challenges. Like I said, it's going to kind of, yeah, that's where I was going to go with it. Yeah. I, I want you guys to maybe even just like, Google like names that God gives us in scripture or something. Just see what you, they're pretty easy. I mean, if you just go through like the gospels, you'll probably find quite a few, um, but just find some of them and take them to prayer and take like some serious time and just sit with each of those names. Maybe even just like one name one day and then one name the next day and just start with that and let that name sit for that day until you believe it or at least you are open to believing it because it could take some time. So that's my challenge. I'm going to close with one quote and it's from Stanley. who, Like I said, didn't make it. And it's kind of, he wrote a, he wrote a note to everyone in the losers after they, this is kind of the, the afterwards. And it's kind of like the, the narrative as the, everything pans out and he explains why he didn't show up. And after he explains why he's like, did it work? Well, if you're reading this, then you know the answer. I lived my whole life afraid. Afraid of what would come next. Afraid of what I might leave behind. Don't be. Be who you want to be. Be proud. And if you find someone with worth holding on to, never ever let them go. Follow your own path wherever that takes you. Think of this letter as a promise. A promise I'm asking you to make. To me. To each, of, to each other. An oath. See the thing about being a loser. You don't, have to, you don't have anything to lose. So be true. Be brave. Stand. Believe. And don't ever forget. We're losers. And we always will be. I'm a loser, baby. <laughs> so why don't you? Uh, no, that's, that's actually really good. Um, and I just... Ruined it with a bad joke. That's what podcasts are for. It's what I do. <laughs> um, no, I think that's a, a good way to close it out. So I'm going to stick with your challenge as well as... I'm going to give you like options. I really want you to do what Clint said. Look up different names that Christ um, you know, sets, like calls us or, or, or uses for us. Mm-hmm. And just like sit with those. Um, you know, I also mentioned earlier, you can do the examine, um, that just helps like sitting with good moments and bad moments, but we've mentioned that before. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you kind of a fun one. Uh, this is a really cool activity. It's, it kind of stinks cause you really don't want to know 
how it works going in, like know all of the parts, but I have to tell you all the parts so you can do it on your own. And so write a letter to someone that you love. It could be someone you don't talk to anymore. Mm -hmm. Like say you had like a best friend long ago and you kind of had like a tough part, but you still miss them. Write a letter to that person or just write a letter. They don't, they're not going to see it, but write a letter as long or as short as you want. Just saying what they mean to you, how much, like just anything, just write a letter to someone you really care about, whether you're still friends or they're still around or whatever and put dear their name and then sign it by you. And then after you're done writing it, cross out their name and cross out your name and put your name at the top and God's name at the bottom and read that letter hmm. and sit with that. It's really powerful. It's really cool. Um, you usually don't want to know about that last part before you write the letter. Yeah, no cheating. So don't cheat. Like really write the letter to your friend um, or to your family member or lost Whoever, one whatever yeah. um, or enemy just write a letter to someone you care about um, and then switch switch it and read it as if God wrote that to you yeah that's a good one I like that alright uh, do you have any shout outs I'm just looking up we have some listeners I don't know if you've shouted them out but I have not even I have a, they're listening I've got a couple really quick go ahead while you're looking stuff up no I mean have them but go ahead oh well the first one I want to give a shout out to is Eric Geraldson who on Twitter, uh, I think he was talking about a different podcast and I came in with some like sarcastic shade and told him to check out our podcast instead. But the Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think it was like a week later or something like that. He, he like promoted, he us. was promoting us and telling people to follow us. So I'm going to give him a shout out back. Yeah. So shout out to Eric Geraldson and, uh, trying to remember it's, um, at, World Watching 3 is, is his handle. So go give him a follow back. Uh, I appreciate it, Eric. That's, that's really cool. And then the other one, I noticed we started getting followed by uh, Ben Caldwell, who you were asking me who that was. He's actually, uh, he was a student at the college that I, I graduated from, and he is the one who kind of took over the men's household when I graduated. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Ben. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ben. Uh, I'll shout out Lizzie and Chris because I saw it with them. Um, nice. But also, uh, I noticed Rosalina Lorente. Oh, yeah. Do you know her? No, but I noticed, I think she's, she was like from somewhere in South America or She's something. been listening, so shout out and just thank you for your listens. Emily Drastada. Um, we have a... Yeah, Va- from Galveston. Yeah, we have a Vanya OK. And <laughs> nice. um, I noticed kind of this week, um, Amini Ahmed. So just thank you guys for, yeah, for constantly listening, whether it's just one episode or more. You're the reason we do this, and you just help this show grow. So cool. As always, you can find us at our website, which is thechristinculture.com, on Twitter, at OnTheAdventure2, on Facebook, The Christ and Culture. Uh, you can email us, thechristinculture at gmail.com. And if you like what we do and you want to support us, please, please, please consider becoming a patron. Go to Patreon backslash The Christ in Culture and you can support us there. We are working on getting some new, fun, extra content in addition to what we have been doing already. So go check it out. With that, thank you guys for joining us on the adventure. And we'll see you next week. Bye.
Kiss me, fat boy! 